and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. Um, as always, I'm your host, Ryan Angley, joined as always by Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. Great to talk to you. It is great to talk to you as well. Okay, so this is, um, are we doing a part two or side B? What is this? I think we're going to call it side B and, and, okay. and, and keeping and, on and, the tradition of the, the Christmas episode. And, and, okay, all right. So this is side B of our um, our episode running through the um, common lines of attack on uh, psychoanalysis and then the roots of I mean, defense is the obvious uh, binary there, but also just the the way that w- what we're trying to do here is to show, um, well, one, how uh, the attacks could be better and how the uh, the responses from the psychoanalytically inclined thinker uh, need to be um, need to be like as good as possible as well. I think right. So not yeah. just giving you arm, but but I would say right, not just giving people armaments to fire back at, at but also mm-hmm. thinking about the ways in which the critiques might. I like the way you said might be sharpened or and might also sharpen our understanding of psychoanalysis even because I think a lot of times they do they they give, give us way even if they're meant in all the with the most bad intentions. I think yeah. sometimes they can actually help sharpen a psychoanalytic insight. And I think, yeah, and also, yeah. And I think also they can stop us from doing this thing, which you, you lament to me all the time of trying to shore up psychoanalysis in other venues, right? Like let's mm-hmm. go get some biology or go get some math or go get yeah. some neuroscience or something to shore it up. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. instead to, to just really dig into the psychoanalytic theory itself as the response. Yeah. Right? And I think that's super important. And so like in this, I know I mentioned this at the beginning of the, of the last one that we were going to talk about um, why does it stick to psychoanalysis? That's going to be definitely be at the, uh, at the end and the, uh, the, where we're, uh, we're going to go through the lists of crimes and misdemeanors of other uh, theorists and schools of thought. And it's like the, the clear point there is it's not, the well, what about these other guys? Nobody pays attention to them. But like, right. one, why do why did these issues stick to psychoanalysis? And then could that be an opportunity to see what the um, clearest value of psychoanalysis is? Like through that consistent uh, attack, like do we better understand how uh, psychoanalysis can be? Mm, uh, what 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 would be the word? like, uh, mobilized mobile. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mobilized. And like, like, what is the, like, what's the, when you put, when you put aside, uh, psychoanalysis, you are giving up a certain kind of risk and right. that there's a reward in taking on that risk. And I think like maybe actually the attacks help us to determine what that reward is. So we're going right. to try to that. Yeah, that's what we're trying to get to. But I do want to say that when we get to these other theorists and their sins, it would be the worst thing if people said, oh, wow, now I have some little cudgel yeah. that I can beat up right. Michelle Foucault with. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's not the point at all. The, no, that's the, not the, the point at all. I, I have to confess. So I was, I was teaching the other day and one of my students from last year said, I said, I just, I'm so worried about students taking this class and because I'm teaching discipline and punish and becoming mm. Foucauldian. 
Hmm. And he said, no, you don't have to worry about that. Just make sure that you tell them that after he had AIDS, he went back to the bathhouses and the castor six. When you said that in our class, everyone hated him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? And so I felt I felt so guilty about that. Well, is that and that's like that's <laughs> we don't want to libel people. Is that totally confirmed? Where well, is that? I think because it's apocryphal. I think it's apocryphal. So one of his close friends says that he knew he was, he was infected. And then he he knew, he didn't know necessarily that it was communicable for sure, but I think he did. And then he went. So, so it's a, it's kind of an apocryphal thing. So yeah. Was that in like, was that in St. Foucault or what? That was in something else? I think it's in the lives of Michel Foucault or something. Ah, okay. 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 Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, anyway, let's, uh, let's get to, um, Let's get to some of the yeah. other, uh, other, cr- other, uh, cr- other. We're now closing in on the larger crimes. The, the yeah, the larger crimes of psychoanalysis. So, uh, what are we what are we going to look at first? The first one is that Freud is a heteronormative thinker, and this is the point of. So let's take the person who gives it its most. First of all, let's deal with it in the most in the in the most common way sure. that he's he he thinks about sex in terms of sexual male female sexual difference, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and more importantly that. And this is true. A lot of psychoanalysts have tried to cure homosexuals, mm. right? So that's that. That seems like wow. That's a pretty bad. Yeah, that's damning. That's a pretty bad Absolutely. thing. That's damning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's damning. So, so. And we're not going to make an apology for that. I wanted like that'd be really clear. No, yeah, right. Yeah. And that look, that's a fact. And I think that that's a horrible fact. And I think psych. And for a long time, in the the DSM homosexuality was listed as a mental illness. So, mm-hmm. so I think that that's, you know, that's, that's horrific and, and, and should be denounced. And, but, but just Freud himself, when asked, mm-hmm. so a woman wrote Freud famously wrote him a letter and said, um, my son, I think he's, I'm not sure about his sexual orientation. She didn't say it this way because yeah. they didn't talk that way. Um, but can you, can you can I send him to be cured? So basically, he was going to be sent to a gay conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And Freud said, "Look, I, I I understand your letter, but he goes, I, you know, I'm the the problem is that I don't consider homosexuality a disorder, and in fact, I see it no." And he says even this. He says this interesting thing. He says, homosexuality is assuredly no advantage, but it is nothing to be ashamed of, no vice, no degradation. It cannot be confined, conf- classified as an illness. Where does, so where does he say this, vi- like, specifically? He just says it in a letter. No, 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 just no, no. Where can someone find it? That's, that's what I mean. Like, like uh, where, where someone can find it. They can just look up Freud uh, letter on homosexuality. Okay. That's the first thing that comes up. There's, like, a million people writing him about it. Okay. So... So if he's very clear, mm-hmm. right? And and I think so that's that's the number one point one that he he did not in any way think of homosexuality as a disorder that had to be cured. Mm-hmm. Point two, I think it's very clear that he believed we were all born bisexual. Yeah, he I mean right? he says this. Absolutely yeah. thinks that. Primary he absolutely thinks that. Isn't that the phrase? Primary bisexual. Yeah. That is the phrase, yep. right? Well, polymorphous perversity yeah. is a whole other part of the way that works out. But but primary bisexuality, that's the second key thing. And the third thing is, I think... Wait, hold on. Does, I w- sorry. He, I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to linger on no this. Interview. I want to linger on that second one, is that it's yeah. almost like the people who accuse... The people who accuse him or others of, uh, of being, being perverse, like whatever that means to that person saying that, is um, like actually like attempting in like to to uphold like 
strict binary thinking about sexuality because he wasn't doing that. Freud wasn't doing that. Right, not only that, but but heterosexist thinking about sexuality. I mean, yeah, what they're yeah. really saying is that he's kind of opening up the door to bisexuality and, and homosexuality, right? Like, I think that that's the... So it's a way... There's some. I think what your point is, there's a way in which these charges are at odds with each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I, I think that the people who... Where that comes from, like, for someone, like, like politically, is identifying as, like, a liberal or progressive and is, like, and, and is open to... Uh, to, to all different sexual orientations and, you know, uh, and, and identifications, but like, but they think that the way that Freud is doing it is gross, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not sure there, there's a, there's a misfire there because like if yeah. his, his, I think his point, if you, if you push his idea that we're, that there's primary bisexuality or, and polymorphous perversity, if you push that, to its logical endpoint, what that means is that heterosexuality is weird. That there would be a dominant kind of of sexuality, and it would be because we don't have the instinct to procreate like animals do. Like that's like, I think that's that's very very. I mean, Freud is even crucial. Right, is, is interested crucial in that. for and him. it's cru- and it's yeah. crucial. So why? You know, I think you know why heterosexuality could have been, uh, maybe should have been an article that he wrote, and maybe things would be different. But absolutely yeah. right. Like I think it's such a great point that okay, he'll look at the like he has this essay called "The Case of the Young Homosexual," where he looks at why her homosexuality develops. Yeah. But in every in every all these other cases, he's looking at why someone's heterosexuality develops. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. not. It's never like. Oh, homosexuality is a problem I need to understand. Yeah. It's heterosexuality is a problem I need to understand along with homosexuality. And I think it's the idea that that um there's not there's not sexual deviance and there's not there's not sexual fetishes. There's people who have sexuality. Like that that's what sexuality right. means. Like like your 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 sexuality takes shape through uh through some fetish through some over attention to something and right and i think that's uh i think that's very uncomfortable it was even uncomfortable a little bit for me to say i you know to, yeah to no, be told, i think that's true honest, i think it's true yeah. i think it's true i think it's true so the other thing so the most i think the most potent form that this accusation takes mm-hmm. is judith butler yeah. mm-hmm. maybe leading the way in this uh, this attack on Lacan's there is no sexual relation, oh, yeah, which I right. think he gets from Freud perfectly, um, because it privileges, even though it talks about a failure, mm-hmm. it privileges a heterosexual failure. Right, 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 right. right. So that is an interesting one, mm-hmm. right? Like there, she seems to, like, if Freud's all about sex as a failure, mm-hmm. which I think he is, why does he focus on the heterosexual failure mm-hmm. At, to the exclusion of the homosexual failure. And then, and then I think people, this is, I think, a very bad thing to do, but you, you, I think you can imagine psychoanalytic theorists of a Lacanian bent say, well, you can transfer there is no sexual relation into the homosexual relationship very easily, right? And then so it's like one person is occupying the male position, which, of course, is offensive and absurd, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there. So there's. So so then that I think is a more interesting question. Like, does so why is there the focus on there is no sexual relation and isn't that a in a negative way 
privileging of the of the heterosexual. You see, that's I yeah, think that's yeah, her right, right. So that's despite, her point. And despite like, points one and two, that right, right. She yeah, gives. Yeah. I think she would accept points one and I two are so. right. I I, so like, well. I like Freud on those points. Totally, I'm with you. But you get this like the your privileged form of failure mm. is. And I think this is a tougher one to respond to, I think. But the, because, but I think the, the, the resp- I don't know, you want to say something first? Because I have a little response. Oh, um, I, I think that it's on the most solid ground. You know, I guess I would put it this way, which is that, like, it, it, then I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of um, the, the most immediate sort of defenses that come up are just like, well, that's just what, then, then you start doing the bad stuff. Then you start saying that like, well, that's just like, those are just the people he saw. That's just like the right time. Uh, you You historicize, you historicize. And, and I, and and that starts to put it outside of the realm of theory. So I think that, um, what I would say is that I would not say it's wrong. I think it does. I I think that it, it designates a, um, a weakness in the in the theorizing, which is uh, something that I think that well, anyway, I think it's something that we've, we that has been a common thread throughout this uh, podcast. That we're when when we seeing Freud fail, it's it's actually it's a failure of of theory and pushing something uh, yeah. like, like the 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 failure to push an idea into territory where it needs to go to do. Um, more important work than the work that he did, right? Like this, this you know, the class uh, example that we that we talked about like an hour ago, I think being the, yeah, the strongest but, example. But yeah, but what what do you what do you have? I have a little defense, so okay, you'll see if it. If you, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Okay, so, we'll so my idea is this: that the whole idea is of Freud's is that each sex is its own kind of failure, right? Mm-hmm. Each sex is its own. Like there's a male. This is how Lacan would put it. There's a male way to fail, Mm -hmm. and there's a female way to fail. This is the split, right? Mm -hmm. And the point is, to say there is no sexual relationship is to say you can't make those two failures come together to make a whole. Mm -hmm. So in no way is that even... It's in a certain way. It's not even. It's not privileging heterosexual failure yeah. because the failure is internal to each form of subjectivity. Got it. And so the, you wouldn't even think to make male failure fit up with male failure because that's not the way people have tried to 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 think about this kind of overcoming. That's right? interesting. So, so oh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Would you say? Yeah. Would you say then that? Um, the the question for you is why because I think for Butler what Butler might say on this point is that like well okay that might be true but um, he still plays into this heterosexist discourse which I think is the I think um, yeah okay I think that that's, that's probably what she would say he still plays into this, yeah, I think this, this, into this discourse yeah. um I guess, uh, I, I think. I think then, would you say the more interesting question, or the question that Freud would be interested in, is that why, like, if he lived later, is that like, well, wait a minute, why is my analysis being subsumed into the heterosexist discourse? Like, why is it? Correct. Why is it a part of that? Correct. Why is it not considered a challenge to that? Is that that what you think the question? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like this is a like. How else would you put a challenge to? to the ruling heterosexism, 
Yeah. I think that's what he would say. And I think that's, I think that's right. Like, I think that that's, but, but I, I do think it's wrong to think, I think there is a whole other point, which is this failure doesn't apply to homosexuality. Yeah. And like there's this film bound by the Wachowskis uh, who did matrix. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and have you seen it? No, I have not seen it. Okay. Okay. So don't see it. It's not great. Oh, but okay. <laughs> it's a so it's a it's a neo noir, yeah. and I think it's made before Matrix. So it's a neo noir, mm-hmm. and it ends with the the two women who are lesbian lovers. Mm-hmm. They and they get away with the crime, mm-hmm. and the one looks to the other and she goes, "Do you know what the difference between us is?" And then the other one says, "No," and she goes, "Nothing." Hmm. And then as if like, and then they're allowed to dart drive away into the sunset, okay. no problem. Like which no noir ends like that, right? <laughs> so. The, the point is that, like, here we get this perfect complementarity mm-hmm. in the lesbian relationship mm-hmm. because there's nothing lacking. And I think yeah. I think that is the opposite danger to say, like, the heterosexual, like, Freud has diagnosed that as, the pro- as a, mm-hmm. a problem. So the homosexual doesn't have that problem at all. I, I don't think that's theoretically a lot of people make that error because... Mm-hmm. Like Lee Edelman, et cetera, there the focus is almost always on queer negativity. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Jack Halberstam, right? Queer art of fail- failure. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. So that so, but but there is still this like we fail the same way. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there there is a kind of temptation to 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 go in that direction, which I think is to be resisted. Well, I mean, like, I don't even, like Butler wouldn't say that. I mean, like that that's that's, no, that's no, absolutely no, not her point. No, no, no. I wasn't trying to. Failure to, to make oh this no, no, no. Point I know. To, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, so so it's an interesting point. But I, I by Butler an objection. But I finally think that the point is really not about the relation because his, he's what his the, what Lacan's point is is that there isn't really a relation. Yeah. So that's the I think that's the key thing. To well, say. isn't that the I think this is where you have to like th- this goes back to something that that uh, we were talking about at the beginning that you you make the decision. For me, I, I, I will, I'm always beholden to the, uh, to the reading that provokes the most amount of questions or, or is, uh, the most interesting. And I think that on a point like that, it's the, like, well, this is, it's a little bit like that guy's article in, in, in current affairs. It's like, uh, and now you can see that Slavoj is a racist forever. And this guy has, you know, he takes some of his examples from uh, right. the the, um, the double blackmail book that uh, Slavoj puts out where he doesn't talk about how uh, capitalism is very different for uh, Westerners than it is for people who live in the Middle East, uh, you know, uh, and and not the, like, you know, crown prince of Saudi Arabia, but, like, everyday <laughs> people. It's very, it, right. it's very, very different. Um, and he has no time for this. So he's just interested in, like, nope, this is, it's, this is, uh, we can see he's a racist because of this text. And I sort of think that um, there's a little bit at work in this charge, or, like, th- this articulation of the charge as well. It's like, yeah, he's still privileging uh, he- uh, heterosexist uh you know, relation. So like he's heterosexist. And I, I just think like, um, claims like argumentative claims that put someone in piles are, uh, you know, are, are not, or, 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 or an argue of amount like this being better than that, or this being worse or this than, than this are, are not nearly as interesting as, uh, claims that advance a different sort of question. I got asked this question the other day by, um, my students because uh, there's a, there's a thread of, argument in television studies that starts in the 
you know, with um, popular criticism, and then it begins uh, probably formally with Marshall McLuhan, and then it goes through up until Sopranos, where like you should just be suspicious of television. That like it's doing it's 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 television is this commercial like gross thing. Right. It, it it is this consumerist right. thing, and it's just like really fascinating to me. But because there's commercials, right? And commercials are part of the text. You can't separate the text from the commercial right. text. And it's like. Um, when films became narrative films, like, like when, when did they start to be accompanied by advertising for either other movies or for like, let's go all to the lobby and get ourselves some snacks? Like what, when did that happen? You know, it's, and it's, it's just interesting to me that like film has been able to, uh, avoid this, like, oh, it's just, it's just a money grab. The whole medium is for money grabbing film has been able to avoid it historically and television hasn't. Um, has not because right. maybe no, it's, it's more true. present. So anyway, so somebody asked me. He said, "Like, so are you not suspicious of television at all?" And what I said to him was kind of what I said is like, I just don't think that argument goes anywhere. And it's and you see it now. So there was a period of time where people were all talking about like, oh, there's like narrative complexity and great. It's great to talk about TV now. Like like where the Academy and the popular perception. I don't know. It's like ten years. We're like totally in line. But then it's with yeah. like the rise of Netflix. It's like this book just came out called like The Birth of the Binge, and it's all about how suspicious we need to be about binge watching and Netflix and like the algorithm and like it's, it's, it, we don't even have desire anymore. We just keep hitting next. And I just think that like that th- 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 there, there's no territory after if, if you, if you accept that there's no territory after it that doesn't just prove its own proof. Uh, right. What can you say after that? Yeah. I think I, that's the thing that just struck me. And like whenever I hear people say like, we need to talk about the industry behind the film yeah. when you're talking analyzing the film. I'm like, okay. So I say, like, this was made industrially, a bunch of, is part of a capitalist thing. Yeah. Now, how does that exactly change my reading of the film? Like, yeah. it, zero? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I really think that's a, that's a great point that you can't, like, there's, and I think the idea that it doesn't go anywhere is crucial. Like, there's no, and I think a lot of these critiques of Freud are just how can we knock him down, not yeah. so as to create some other kind of right. alternative theory, but just to get rid of, just to get rid of, so not to have to think. And I think a lot of those actually, a lot of those critiques of the medium mm-hmm. are critiques of the way in which thinking about it theoretically would force us to think. And I, so I think it's it's like, you know, if we can look at behind the scenes, yeah. mm-hmm. then we don't have to think about what's actually being said. I, I, I do think that that in a way connects to the to the to the um homonormative or, or sorry not homonormative uh heteronormative you know idea charge like if i can just dismiss like i don't have to think theoretically about freud because i know he's anti-gay or he's yeah. heteronormative no, 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 right so then I, I agree you know what like i'll give it to give a um uh this is a totally anodyne example uh but like it's it's like um you know, if you can find a way to uh, dismiss or discredit um, uh, The Sopranos, then you don't have to watch it. And that's like, it would right, take a lot of time. Right. If you, you know, like, I mean, it's like that happened with, with bands too. It's like, you know, if a band has a huge ca- uh, catalog, you know, like, um, I like, uh, this has been a while since I was like talking with 
or, or where my friend group was dominated by these kinds of discussions. But like, you know, if you can find a way, to, if you can find a reason to not listen to the, the Beatles then you'd never have to listen to the Beatles, if you can find it like if it's something to, to discredit that or, or dismiss. And then it works like a lot more. It's like, Oh, modest mouse or Wilco or like, or Kanye West or, you know, or, uh, let me see. Like, uh, it, I'm not gonna just keep listing bands like just for the sake of it or, or or people. But if you you know, like if you can, uh, like if you can look at, I think Kanye is a pretty good example. Like if you can dismiss him because of this like Trump thing, then like you don't have to listen to his music. And he's done like right. a lot and like a lot of interesting stuff. So like yeah. it, it releases you from the responsibility when really like I I think what where it comes from is like, look, there's just a lot of stuff that's been, there's just a lot of stuff out there and I don't have time for it. And I don't want to admit that or take on the project. And, um, I, I don't know. I see this in so many different ways, like, like right. grad students in places that's like, you know, I want to do Shakespeare, but I don't want to do, I don't want to read all of the, I just want to proceed forward from here and not, and not read. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a tough yeah. one, Ryan, yeah. because, you know, it's a great point, and it, 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 it it's such it's such a thing that we we do need something, as you're saying, to like no one has world enough in time to yeah. read or listen to everything. So I think we need some principle of xing stuff off. And but I think the problem is just the arbitrariness of the principle. Yeah, like it, yeah, it yeah. doesn't, mm-hmm. you know. I think you really have to think through. Like, do I, like, let's say Heidegger. Like Heidegger, he's just a Nazi. I don't have to read him. Right. Well okay, like, is that the, like, don't, I guess the point is don't allow that to be the reason why you're not reading him. Like make it a choice that for other reasons, Todd, Slavoj is a a charlatan. Well, you know what that releases you from like 50 fucking books and like, you know what I mean? Like now you don't, you don't have to know any of it because of the, because you have this thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's a pretty amazing point that especially with him, because the, the vastness of his production, it does make you feel like, of course, no one reads it all. I don't think anybody <laughs> does. Uh, no one reads it all, but, um, but, but you still, there still is this, this expectation that you will at least be familiar. And I think that you, that, that it takes a lot to do that. Yeah. And so I think yeah. it, you know, I think there is a way in which the, the dismissal does serve as that. It gives you that kind of, key to mm. be able to say, I don't need to worry about that at all. Well, you know, can I just, I'm just going to offer one thing on this is that like, yes. you know, I actually think if you knew sublime object really, really well, like, I'm not saying that's everything is there. There's a lot that's there that he so totally goes on to articulate other things in, in, yeah. in different texts. I mean, like he almost immediately in, um, for they know not what they do. Like he goes back on like a semi-friendly, um, stance he had toward democracy in the, in sublime object. I know. Immediately I know. I know. It's the one thing he feels guilty about. I know. Is that I know. Yeah. He, he said a nice thing about democracy yeah, and sublime yeah. object. But, but I think, I think actually, um, there's this idea that there's a, it's a, it's kind of an everything or nothing thing where I think what gets discounted is um, like knowing a couple things like really well actually does release you from the responsibility of the rest of it, but in a positive way. That's right. Like you could. So if all the person did was just say, Oh, I, all I'm going to do is I could do this. I'll read sublime object and then I'm not going to read all the rest of the stuff. And then you'd have a, like for Heidegger, you could say like, I'm going to, I don't have time to read all those seminars, but I'm going to read being in time. Like I'm just going to, and then if something in there strikes me, then okay, then maybe I'm going to go on and do something else. But I think yeah. you have to yeah. 
be open to that possibility, right? And I think that's why it's easier to have the dismiss, I'm not going to think about it, because mm-hmm. if you have the open to the major work, then all of a sudden something in the major work can grab you and then you're you're screwed well, and because I, then you're like... Yeah. Well, no, and I th- I think that well, I also think that there's the uh, the other the other problem where like, and I don't want to like there are like I've met some people who are like big time readers of Slavoj who are like a little insufferable about it. So the that really yeah, talk more to me. Well, about what this. I just mean is just like okay, well, like I could very well imagine someone reading Sublime Object and talking to someone who's read like oh, you haven't read Parallax View and just being like really <laughs> shitty about it. Like right, right. so so I think that that's the thing too where like the um the the barrier to entry is not just uh one ticket but like 50 and i think that right. you know like i could like look um i i think that there are a lot of f scott fitzgerald short stories that are really really not worth anybody's time it wasn't even hit worth his time to write it but you know if you read babylon revisit it that's the best thing he's written like in, including gatsby i think it's a treasure that, that short story. And I think that, I think if you knew that really well, I would say that releases you from the responsibility of reading any of the rest of it. Like, right. Interesting. You know, and, yeah. I like yeah. this idea. I think it's a really good idea that, that, um, rather than using the one thing like heteronormativity, whatever, that's the one we're on right now yeah. mm-hmm. as a, dis, as a, as a badge to dismiss, but, but th- instead, going in and then find and like finding the one work spending a little time to find which is the one work mm. and then reading it and then saying okay it's not for me but whatever mm. right mm-hmm. like i think that's it yeah well uh, yeah no definitely i mean i think that there's like the the, the and this is my last point on this we got to move on to the next one for, of course but the it, it's a big part of um I think internet culture, especially right now, that like something is either the best or this, or it's a war crime, yeah, you know. Yeah, and I and yeah. I think it kind of is the same thing. Like you either like you have to buy in one hundred percent to something, or you buy in uh, none percent. And right, y- right, you know, like like this idea, even that we're pushing back on like Freud's ideas and being like, this is like actually where he failed and wasn't even Freudian enough. Uh, w- would be like I think one way of putting it, or just like or he. Uh, like, or the these are the places where the I- idea exceeds the person because like that if you um if you are into philosophy if you are into non uh non scientific discourse like I actually I think you have to believe that that I yeah I, that's right that I, no I, I, it's absolutely true yeah, I, it's absolutely true yeah, right yeah right. that ideas there are points exceed, at which yeah. that happens it, right it the to. idea exceeds you yeah. right like I think it's right to say that a thinker is not adequate to her or his own ideas yeah. a lot of the time yeah. and I think that's you know it's not the, it's not the other way around so it's like that we should indict their life on the basis of their thought not their yeah. thought on the basis of their life that's how i mm. tend to think of it Absolutely. but let's go to the what i think is the maybe biggest charge mm. because it's more i think the it seemed like that the heteronormative had a had a more of its life about 20 years ago and now this one has i think become mm-hmm. the predominant one that mm-hmm. freud was a misogynist or just maybe more calmly put, he was a sexist. Yeah. He's he had a fundamentally sexist view of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's I think that's worth talking about quite at length because a number of feminists, um, I think, based on maybe not what I would call the correct reading of Freud, uh, take take you know are are at odds with him. So 
It's worth for Simone de Beauvoir. I was gonna say, Go is, isn't it worth iterating the the great Juliet Mitchell line at the at the beginning of this that psychoanalysis is a uh, uh, what is a diagnosis of a phallocentric heterosexist society, not an endorsement of one. Right, you know, right. It, That's a good idea. Yeah. It's a it's a good point. Yeah. Yes, it's a very good point. Um, so, but Simone de Beauvoir is critical. Yes. Shulamith Firestone is critical. Mm-hmm. Betty Friedan is critical. So a lot of the main feminists of the second wave, basically, mm-hmm. so first wave would have been contemporaries of Freud, mm-hmm. um, and wouldn't have written on him. But they're very, oftentimes, very critical of 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 Freud. So for, and I think it's interesting. I think the, for a couple of like a couple of key things, like the notion of castration Mm -hmm. is a problem, a big problem for a lot of people. The notion of phallus as just talking about it and making it central, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, And then finally, probably the notion of penis envy as this, as so I think those three things are maybe the main the main problems for feminism, and I think we can maybe deal with them one, two, three. So, sure. so symbol, so castration. I almost said symbolic castration. So, so castration mm-hmm. is, I think, of you know, why does Freud decide to focus on that? That's an interesting question. I think, like, why does he focus on castration? Because I think for him, that's the site where loss is centered mm-hmm. for the subject. Mm-hmm. That that the loss is fundamentally more than anything about sexual enjoyment and and castration i think is his word for the incompletion of our sex or this this not this lacking nature of our sexual enjoyment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no i think that's i think that's absolutely true and i think that uh, i mean don't all three of these ideas come back to um but why is it centered on the phallus you know, right. And, I guess maybe that's true. You know, and, yeah. and I and I think that yeah. um the okay, so <laughs> um I, I I would say that the the point that like Lacan is really well he's I, I think he's clear on this that nobody has it. And I think that he's clear like in his like Freud Fro- Freud is, is saying this too, but like it's not like this is where the penis envy idea is um is let's say dicey um, because yeah. it seems like in that that the men that men definitely have the phallus and that women don't and and well maybe you know maybe I'm not sure that he thinks no that no, no I'm not saying I'm not I'm not but it's suggested it's by that that's your suggest point that it certainly you yeah. have to do a lot of wrangling around but I think like what to me I think what psychoanalysis makes clear is that like nobody has it this is why like what is any when when a guy like drives up to a family party and he has a giant truck with like high suspension and big wheels. Like four out of 10 people are just like, Oh, and and it's got truck nuts, right? People, people are just like, Oh, that's a, he's got a small penis. Like, like people are thinking that when that happens, you know, if the, the, all these like open carry gun guys, 
in America. It's just like, oh, that's a second penis. Um, I just got a lightsaber at um, at <laughs> Star Wars Land in Disney. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but that's just like, it's just very clear. It's like, and, and then this was the thing is that there's like this whole ceremony. And when you, when you have it and you light it up, it's supposed to light up. And mine didn't, which was awesome. Uh, oh, it was like, it was like, crushing though. <laughs> well, yeah, but it w- was very clear that I did not have the phallus and, and you did not have a phallus. Even in my attempt to go out in the world and procure it, I still didn't have it. Like, and that, like, right. yeah. I, it, it's interesting that these examples are, I think the way that they're commonly interpreted though, are part of the problem because they're part the, the problem is that they're usually interpreted as here's someone demonstrating their phallic oh, I see. power. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, uh-huh. the person with the big truck, like and acting all aggressively, like he's demon that's mm-hmm. evincing phallic power. But I think what Freud would say is it's adv- evincing clearly that the phallus is external yeah. to him. I think I think that's the key yeah key key idea that that it having is, is is something that no one no one can do no one can have yeah. so it always a- occupies this external point and and the other thing is i think for macho men or for men who seem to have the phallus mm-hmm. isn't what's clear is that it always is acting through them so they're yeah. even more castrated by it than the woman who has no concern for it at all. I think that's one of the absolute crucial things in, in Freud's understanding is that the phallus, when it's, when, when you think you have it the most, you're most deprived of it and it's acting through you. So it takes so so there's no such thing as phallic agency or if there is all the agencies in the phallus itself, not in the person who's acting. Right, right, right. I mean, and, and I think part of this too is that um, I think doesn't that Lenka say, say this in uh, the odd one in that? Yeah, yeah. That it's a great discussion of phallus in that book. If I, if it, just to recommend it to people, yeah. it's a very good book on comedy. But it's Lenka Zupanchit's odd one in right in the middle. I, I should know the exact section, but I always I said to her last time I was talking to her, I'm like, you should really write a book on psychoanalysis and feminism because mm. that's an outstanding. Her her point is that psychoanalysis is all about dissolving the mystery attached to the phallus. Yeah, so yeah. If, if Freud didn't talk about the phallus as much, he would further yes. entrance us into its mystery. Yes. So yes. all the talking about it is precisely, she thinks, a feminist point to try to demystify mm-hmm. that phallic signifier. And, that's, and she thinks that what he's doing is exposing it bear for everyone to see and that's of course that's why he's perverse Uh Mm -hmm. like that's but also and that's why he's so so there's a way in which the perverse and the misogyny charge come together in this attempt to show the phallus to expose Mm -hmm. the phallus for what it is yeah which is a fraud i I think that's the key yeah the phallus is a fraud yeah Yeah, i think that's a i think that's a great like succinct way of putting it and it's really important and it's it all I, i think if um if the push, if the pushback to Freud happened during, like on this point, happened in his lifetime, don't I, I? Don't you think the response would be that, like, in you pushing back on me for writing about this, you're actually imagining the phallus to be stronger, exactly, and actual, far more actual than it really is. When exactly, when like, I mean, the point is that, like, 
you know, look at these people who believe they have it and look at how they're, they're you know, you know what I, I, maybe, maybe Freud would have, would have done the, you know, the, uh, the James Baldwin, the people who think they are white. It's like the people, yeah. the people who think they have the phallus, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like that's, and, and look at, look at how they act. And like, that's the, that's the point at which you begin the critique, not the like, let's stop talking about this thing anymore because it's right. uh, because it, it hurts discourse. We need to talk about, we need to talk about other things. Look at these things we're not talking about. Cause we're, we're talking about the phallus when the point is that like, no, when you don't talk about it, you allow it to like coalesce and seem like it's real when it's uh when it's, when it's not, when it's, when it's a fraud. Right. So I think, I mean, let's get to the diciest one then penis envy. Right. Yeah, so he, yeah. so there's this famous, so it's, it's toward the end of his life in analysis, terminable and interminable, mm-hmm. Where he says this, so he says this line. He says, both in therapeutic and in character analysis, we notice that two themes come into special governance and give the analyst something, some unusual amount of trouble. And he says the to, two, the two corresponding themes are in the female an envy for the penis, mm-hmm. and in the male a struggle against his passive or feminine attitude toward another male. So, so it's interesting <laughs> that it's all around, it's all around. Basically, penis envy and fear of castration. Like those are the two paired problems, mm-hmm. right? And and I think a lot of people are like, wow, that's really objectionable that he would say that. But what is the question is I think what is penis like is it, what is penis envy? Is it is it for him uh, the way in which you're caught up in this illusion yourself? Yeah. As a woman, right? Like, I think that's what it is. Like, when he says you can't get beyond that, when he says the problem is for analysts getting their patients beyond that stumbling block. Mm-hmm. I think for, 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 for men, it's like you can't get beyond the fear that you really have something to lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's for women, you can't get beyond this fear that there really is something that you're not getting that's attached to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I would, I would, I've, I've actually talked to, um, I've actually talked about this, uh, to, to people and this is the kind of, maybe, maybe I'm making Freud say what, like what I would say. So you tell me if, if this is in his yeah, idea yeah, yeah. or not, good, but good, what I, good. what I, I tend to say on that point when, when, um, someone, and no one's been shitty to me about this. So I want to be really clear, but what has asked me yeah. about this point is like, well, what, like, what about like penis envy? Like, what do you think about that? And, um, I've recently said, like, you know, when the least qualified man wins the presidency over one of the most or more qualified women, like, who wouldn't want to have a penis? Like, like, like. See, that's Mari Rudy's point. Yeah, yeah. That's Mari Rudy's point. And I know, I think Freud's point is somewhat different. Okay. Because I think for, and I think that's a reasonable point to make, like that, that penis envy is just a reasonable response to the way the world to, is yeah, structured. Yeah, to, to, right. yes, to the phallocentric heterosexist. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. But isn't, I think his point is actually, no, penis envy, like fear of castration, is an error to see the way in, about seeing the way in which castration is constitutive. Mm-hmm. That is that, that okay. okay, right, like you're right, like, Phallocentrism allows the president that we have to become the president, mm-hmm. right? But, but at the same time, it's this huge stumbling block for him psychically, 
right? Like, I think that that's so, so don't be envious of this belief that you like are possessed. You possess the phallus when it's the phallus that possesses you anyway. So I think Freud's point really is there's nothing to be envied. I mean, obviously like social material conditions, like are, that matters. Yes, of course. Yeah. That matters, yeah. right? Of course. I'm not trying to say it doesn't no, matter, no, no, yeah. but yeah. I am, but I'm trying to say like that, 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 there's nothing about that position that's privileged in the sense of like you have actual subjective agency because it's the phallus acting through you. Right. So, I so, don't know. so the, so his point would you say is like the, the envy of the, the envy of the thing that is, that is fraudulent. And then the fear of losing the thing that you don't think have is fraudulent. The thing exactly. that is fraudulent, both of those things like make it more actual than it actually, than, than it is. And that, that it, that's right. It would be, the disinvestment in both positions that would, um, well, I mean, what would that, what would that even be like? Well, I think that's a perfectly put, I mean, that's yeah. something like the psychoanalytic cure. Yeah. Okay. Right? So like, that's the psychoanalytic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's great. I mean, I, I love that formulation. I think you should write it down and <laughs> pass it out on the street corner. Like, I think it's absolutely right. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that that's, you know, okay. I, you have to confess that Freud has some inelegant ways yeah, of sure. talking about femininity a lot of times, right? Like the, both the essay on female sexuality and the essay on femininity have some things that are like he just himself. And I think this is a case where he is not the equal of his own idea because yeah. that idea as expressed in terms of those two stumbling blocks seems to me irreproachable. Yeah. Like that really is he's, – he's got it. Like he really understands – the basic problem and why we're so invested in the patriarchal structure, even when we, th- it seems like it should be at its end. Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, you know? and, and it reminds me, um, I think that that's your, I think you're right that there are like, there, there are, uh, infelicities, let's say in, in his, uh, and it's all, I think it's also important to like the, not to knock on his translators, but I mean like this is in translation too. Uh, and there are some things that um, you what you can not capture in translation is that in one it's it's really interesting that cultural relativism never comes to for its defense on this point that like but right. but in in some in in other cultures saying something in a certain way in a certain forum about a certain thing is just taken completely differently than it is elsewhere. So when, when he says in the uh, lecture on femininity that like women, you know, you yourselves are the problem, like uh, it, it's, uh, you know, that, con- that's pretty, that's rough. That, that is, that is like not right. really defensible in, in, to an English reader. Um, I've heard people talk about this and be like, well, no, everyone would have understood when he said that he means like this, like, uh, women designate like the philosophical and theoretical problem that he's talking through, like in the rest of this. And like he does later right. say in that lecture, this is when he says that, um, I'm not going to get the line exactly right, but he says that, uh, um, that psych- like psychoanalysis, uh, w- could not say what a woman is. That's a task that it could scarcely perform. Uh, it merely sets into being, it, it sets into motion, like how a woman comes into being. And which is like more or less what Simone de Beauvoir will right. will, will say about in the in the second sex, like to, to, right. to define women that it's like again that it's about becoming. And it's just again it's interesting that like 
I've heard, uh, like, not, not heard, read Jean Laplanche uh, say that. He's the only person person that I've read say that. Like, actually, Freud said this before. De Beauvoir, De Beauvoir doesn't cite him. Like, this is, you know, maybe maybe there's something there's something missing there, but... Uh, right. Well, yeah. I think it's I think it's that's true, isn't it? That psychoanalysis is so concerned with the process of com- like you coming to be a woman or you coming to be a man or you coming to be trans. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Like that's the whole that's the whole point. Like, let's look at that problem. Yeah. And, or right. that question. Exactly. Like, that would be the, the question. Right. Like that would be a way yeah. of tra- that may have been a better way of uh, like translating it. Like you are the question. So like women, yeah. like you can't like you are the question. And I think that's fair. I've also, and again, this is not, um, uh, I don't want to name drop who said this, but a, uh, a, a prominent, uh, female academic. I, I heard once say that, um, it's interesting when, um, feminists accuse, uh, Freud of being a sexist because he was the first man that ever listened to the complaints of women, which I think yeah. is, uh, yeah. is, which it may or may not literally be true, but he did take the complaints of women so seriously that it became seriously, an, yeah. and it became an entire uh, branch of knowledge. And I mean, this was the thing. Like, if you go back, like, so he gets he gets um, slammed on this point for the um, for hysteria. And I think actually this is one thing we didn't mention that like hysteria is being like a women woman's uh, issue, and that's not true. Like hysteria is a response. Than that right. that is gender blind, um, and Freud first gets there because what he notices is that the women called hysterics in uh, Vienna have different, uh, you know, they have different symptoms from the women called hysterics elsewhere, and that they have different sim- uh, symptoms than hysteric. And then he just thinks like this that that can't be right. Like this, this can't be right. a real right. diagnosis. There's got to be, there's has to be something else happening here. And I think like that's a feminist response to the, to the situation, I, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, uh, I mean, it just seems clear to me. I hope it's clear to, clear to the listener that like, I, like, uh, I don't want to make it seem like at this point, And I mean, we've gone much longer than we've done any single podcast on this, uh, but it, warrants it i think the topic that like this is not to say that like you know freud is the most feminist man forever look what he did for for women you know like like that's that's he's not bulletproof on these charges it's just that like um the idea that he should be canceled because of these things doesn't give you that much and the way that right right and the way that um people seek to do that are are often at odds with his own theory. And then thirdly, when he does fail and when he does become the person that his critics imagine him to be, his ideas actually exceed him on those points. And I, and I think right. that's, I, I think that's a, a, just critically important to understand those three things. It's critically important. Yeah. I think that it's so true that, that it's not, the point is not to make Freud into the ideal feminist, no, obviously. No, absolutely not. But but it is to say that like there is something and I, I you know what I don't care like feminism can say we don't want anything to do with Freud that's uh, that's it's the feminist's fine. prerogative right but I think there are a lot of great feminists who have found Freud so important for them mm-hmm. for a reason I think yeah. that's the key thing to say like that 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 Freud and if you if you just took up the balance sheet Freud is much more on the side of feminism 
than he is on the side of anything, maybe any other way of thinking, certainly more than Marxism, certainly more than uh, capitalism. I mean, I think that that if you take of other, the kind of movements that have germinated after, in the aftermath of Freud, I think feminism is almost the thing that he is the most closely linked to, I I feel. And I I think that that's missed Mm -hmm. when... People glom on to the the, the, the the few comments or the way in which he talks about castration yeah. or the way the phallus has this central role in his thinking. Mm-hmm. Because, and I, it's an interesting question. Like, should we just post Freud and post whatever stop even using the term phallus and just say master signifier? Yeah. Well, maybe, but then I think Alenka's point comes up. Like, well, when you do that, aren't you further yeah, you, turning the yeah. phallic? signifier into a mystery yep. and then you're you're part of the problem you're making then. it so something like you're making it something yeah. by yeah. avoiding it yeah. so i do think it's a i think always better you know freud himself has this great line where he says you know people said to me why don't you just rather than talking about sex all the time why don't you just use the term love or erotic relations yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he has this great line he goes i found that when you give ground first on words you find that you've given ground on the essential thing itself in the yeah. end yeah yeah and i i think that's pretty great actually that that's a pretty i think that's pretty true and i yeah. i don't know i i have to say of all the thinkers that we talk about and and read i i I feel the i feel like freud for just intellectual courage he was pretty he was pretty great like he was really you know willing to do a lot of things and take stands that that weren't necessarily popular and and i think on terms of feminism the fact that so many like of all the currents of thought like object-oriented ontology Mm -hmm. whatever all these different like psychoanalysis like I think it's a relationship to feminism is more vital than any of these other kinds of thought, you know, Mm -hmm. like it, it has a, there's a real, there are so many feminists I know that think of themselves as psychoanalytic thinkers as well. Mm. Mm. I mean, yeah, no, I think that's, I, I, yeah, I think that's pretty good. That's, um, I think that's pretty, um, conclusive on that point. I want to end with one of the, the questions I brought up in the beginning is, and I think this is worth thinking through is, why does all this stick to Freud and why does this yeah. all stick to psychoanalysis? Because it, you know, continues to, as we saw very recently with, uh, with Slavoj. Um, and here's a list. This is hardly comprehensive, but here's, okay. a, here's a list of, um, uh, major other and, crimes and, and misdemeanors, crimes and misdemeanors of, uh, philosophers for, for whom the crime tends not to stick. I, okay. I at least I think, you know, I'm going to chime in with a few in case you forget. Okay, in case I forget. Now, this is not to say that no one ever criticizes these people for these things. I want to be really clear. It's um, right. it's just that uh, if there was a... Okay, for example, um, a podcast that was on Plato, I think, uh, maybe doesn't have to dedicate an episode to... Um, well, what about all the Nambla stuff in the symposium? And by okay. Nambla, I mean the, what is it? Is that the North American Man Boy Love Association? I think that's, <laughs> right, so right, like right. that's a, okay. So this, the, the Greeks, and I mean, Plato is one of them, believe that the most like important, like uh, <laughs> erotic and romantic tie, right? Uh, not to not use the word sex was between a man and a, and a, a child. Um, Young and, boy. and not between a, uh, like a man and a woman, which, and Aristotle, um, 
for okay his crimes there's not in the aristotle podcast there's not making an apology for him training a war criminal uh in alexander the great um and nor i don't believe are they probably making an apology for like if you read um Okay, so people read the ethics a lot. There's a section on friendship where he talks about there are three levels of friends, a friend of utility, friend of pleasure, and a perfect friend. And the perfect yeah. friend, it's it can only be another man. Uh, like, he's really clear that, like, men and women... It's almost like it's a... a it's a far more sexist version of Harry saying... Men when and Harry women, met Sally, yeah, I was yeah. just thinking of that. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, men and women yeah, can't yeah, be friends. It's yeah. just that, like... Like women, like a woman could could never really be like an equal to another man. So therefore could not be like a real friend, Um, you know. And he also uh, believed that that there were could not be politics without slavery. And again, these are just things that like, you know, I've I've never heard someone in a rhetoric and composition department apologize for those things with uh Aristotle. When they're teaching the poetics. When they're teaching the po- poetics, you know, when they're yeah, teaching about correct. pathos, logos, and pathos. You never hear anyone, like, that's, it doesn't come up. Um, right. And, okay, so there, okay, so those are the, some crimes and misdemeanors. Pretty good so far. Okay. Right. Um, let's talk about Let's the, get some contemporaries in okay, here. Okay, yeah, let's talk about some Nazis for a second. Um, okay. So we're going to go, I'm going to, okay, so Heidegger, obviously, we've talked about Obviously. This. Paul DeMond, also a Nazi. Um Carl Jung, who we referenced earlier, also a Nazi. Right. And here's here's another thing. Um, that wasn't the point at which the that Freud broke with him. The point at which that Freud Freud broke with him was because he had sex with his patients. And now I think we all know we know in 2019. I don't think we call that sex. You call that rape. And so and I've yeah. And I never like. I know people who use Jung to talk about mysticism and uh, like I've like there's no un, it, would just, yeah. it would just never come up. Neither of those. It things. is it is mystifying to me that Jung is a less controversial figure than Freud. He's no one thinks it's controversial to bring up Jung and everyone thinks it's controversial to bring up Freud. And Jung has not only was he an avowed Nazi, as you point out, but also the rape of the patients. First of all, I mean, I think this was the first time it happened. He supposedly fell in love with her, Sabina Spilrom. And this is, yes, yes. But it's it's covered in, in David Cronenberg's film, A Dangerous Method. And, and Cronenberg himself shows that he prefers Jung. Like it's a, it's a, it's like the the film is a kind of indictment of Freud. And I think it's just, it's just so fascinating how that doesn't stick. Like Jung is not a pervert. No way. Right. When, no. like it's a far worse transgression than anything Freud was, was accused yeah. of. So that's a, that's a yeah. big thing. And also the, the, um, if you want to talk about charlatanism, uh, Jung is the basis for the Myers-Briggs personality test. And like, that's just been widely debunked, but it is still used by thousands of companies, like major companies all over the world, not just in America. And, but you know, where's that, where's the, the, the article on current affairs about Jung? (laughs) Right. Right. We're not, we're not likely to see that. We're not going to see that. Um, We're not going to see that. So, okay, people obviously... So I, I named two people for whom there was uproar about being a Nazi, but I think that it, like, uh, it's... 
I don't know. Like, like the, what do you, what do you think? Like for, for Heidegger and DeMond, like it does, it, it, it doesn't, not, I don't want to say it doesn't seem as controversial, but it seems like people are more easily able to say like, well, let's not let this one thing. I think like, so. There's all this other Yeah, I think stuff, it's right. But, I think like, it's like, right that the thought is often get some kind of quarantine largely yeah. from the problem of, of the, the political problem. Whereas I think, it's fascinating to me that Freud's doesn't really. There's no quarantine. Yeah. Like anything Freud himself is guilty of, the thought is guilty of too. And the thought is guilty as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I'm, I, what I think is in the end, I mean, there are some other figures, I think, like Foucault, the support of Iran, the drug use, the, the, and the, oh my God. The, what about the, what about the pedophile? The, the pedophile petition, my God. Like all these great French intellectuals, Foucault signed it, saying that, saying that, Sex between Derrida, De- Bart, uh, Leotard. Anyway, continue. So you can keep going on and on and on. Yeah, Althusser. Yeah. So, yeah, so Baudrillard too. I don't know if Baudrillard did, but but okay. Lacan well, did not. So that's a yeah, one, one good thing. Feather in his cap. Feather in his cap. Yeah. So so the 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 way in which that the 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 ability of that that that, that just to get kind of brushed aside as if it didn't have so the, the the letter was a petition to make um consensual acts whatever that means between adults mm-hmm. and people under 15 legal yeah. so that was the letter that they all they all signed so they all signed it yeah um well okay speaking of letters also let's not forget louis althusser killed his wife killed his wife um, yeah. um speaking of letters uh and this is another point at which the this like you know this indicts uh Slavoy a bit, but I actually think for a different reason. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it in a second. So, um, you, as, as people, listeners may or may not know, um, I think this was last summer, um, it came out that, uh, am I going to say your name right? Avital? Avital Renault. Yeah. Avital Renault. Okay. Um, n- not just uh, had uh, sex with a graduate student for which the graduate student, their evidence was not really happy with this being their relationship, right. but also um, damaged this person's uh, ability to get a job elsewhere and also took steps to squash their complaint at New York University. Right. I also think, I'm not sure that, the, I yeah. think the sex is unverified. Like, I think that's still up okay, for dispute. Right. But what she did was, and this is not disputed, that she sent him numerous emails that were openly flirtatious and inviting and suggest, you know, like very explicit emails that she sent Mm -hmm. him and that, and that she had him accompany with her, accompany her on travels to Paris and stuff to, to be with Mm -hmm. her and that they shared a bed together. That's not disputed, but whether they actually had sex or not, I think is a question because she's bisexual and I think he's gay. So they're, so I'm not sure. I think he claims they did have sex, but she's pretty adamantly Mm -hmm. denies that. So I'm not sure what that means. And we, we, we don't want to be liable. Right, uh, right, right. Li- li- liable, right, right? So I appreciate the check. So, um, okay, so this uh, complaint that the that the student filed uh, did not get handled well. At all. At all. At all. And then when it did, um, uh, a letter was written in her defense, uh, written by Judith Butler, and it was signed by just a, a bevy of contemporary theorists. Almost every luminary, phone. yeah. 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 Uh, uh, you know, and uh, like there, and I, and you're not. I've not heard like, well, now we should never teach 
Butler anymore because she's not a feminist. I think there was some there were there were questions about her credentials. It cost her being the like the head of MLA. I like think she no. Material. I think she still oh she still is because she renounced the letter. I think that that's oh she renounced the letter. Yeah. Okay, well so Slavoj also signed the letter, and the issue with so again this was something. Um, apart from, so if there's this guy who writes his hit piece on Slavoj, there are two pieces that he could have like gone to that are, um, low hanging fruit. And I don't mean that to be like, uh, like it's substantive low hanging fruit. Right. There is the, uh, the trans comments that was talked about in another podcast, but I mentioned earlier. And then there was this one, which was his support, uh, for, um, for Ronell and, and the subsequent essays that he wrote where he said that the out uproar over this was because of political correctness. Now, here's my criticism for him on this, is that it's a little bit like what we talked about with Freud here. The point, I think, to actually make, if you're going to make a theoretical point about this, like, for one, he should not have supported her. That's just, like, he right. should not have done that. Right. But for two, the the theoretical point is that everyone is caught up in a discourses of power when they talk right. about these things, right. when really they should be talking about enjoyment. And that's the theoretical point that could be made um, about like how like and you never and, and I think it's so necessary it, like like how do the rich enjoy how do the you know how how do how does the president enjoy how does Jung enjoy right. in that position where you know like that's I think it's it's more insidious and it feels grosser but it I think it cuts f- far more to the bone than to talk about power like all these peoples are just like Thanos collecting rings well because to, to, you know. isn't the problem I think that's such I so love your point I, I, I'm totally in agreement because like isn't the problem with the power argument the question of why other people in the same power positions aren't doing it like the power yeah, doesn't yeah. explain anything at all no, right like 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 Okay, I've directed things. I've been in. A, I was in a position of power over you. You were my. You were yeah. writing a thesis under me. I didn't. Yeah. Nothing happened, right? We 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 no. We we played. We watched football you know games, happened, right? Yeah. You know what happened, Todd? What? We became friends. We became we friends, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Right? Um, so so that. Why don't these things stick? Yeah. Why don't they to, stick? So to, that's the question. But I also think. Um, so why don't they? St- why? But anyway, but about this, the, the question was about Slavoj and this, this Avital Ronell thing. Like, why did it stick to him? Oh, that's your question, right? Why did it stick to yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. And why didn't it stick to Judith Butler? I mean, part of it is he kept upping the ante. Like he kept writing yes. response after response. But yeah, it's yeah. such an irony that she's the one who originated the letter, and yeah. he all he did was sign his. And okay, yeah. he shouldn't have done it. His friend asked him to sign a letter. He, I know for a fact, never read the letter and just said, sign my name to it because I trust you. You know, yeah. you're, you'll do the right thing. And then he took the, he, he got the lion's share of the, the critique. And I do think, doesn't it have to have something to do with psychoanalysis? Like it, it just has to. Yeah. I mean, it. That seems to be the common. That seems to be the, the common, common thread. thread. Yeah, and I think yeah, it. You know, I don't. Yeah. Well, what is the thing? What is the thing? What is the thing it has? And I think it's unconscious. Finally, like I think yeah. you know, Freud famously said that the, you know these three wounds to the narcissism of humanity, <laughs> yeah. and I'm the, giving the third. You know, uh, Copernicus, then uh, Darwin, then me, and I. I yeah, I, Copernicus, that the man is not at the center of the universe, and that Darwin, mm-hmm. man is not the center of creation. 
Yeah. yeah and then and, and man's not even the master in his own house. And I, right. I kind of right. think that that's right. Because if you think about, don't all the objections against him finally boil down to that? Like, doesn't the yeah. objection that he's, he's, even the objection, I think, that he's heteronormative, I think, boils down to he doesn't let us accept our, he doesn't accept identities as the way that they want to see themselves, right? Like, like I think mm-hmm. there's a sense that he doesn't let us just have our identity. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that's really disturbing about psycho now, the whole psychoanalytic project. It is interesting that the line of critique is like, it has to include this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. Because when the fundamental claim is also that like, that well, I mean, like, wouldn't the wouldn't wouldn't the logical extension be that like, yeah, I mean, like, actually, no one does. Like, you you especially, if you're if you're if you're trying to make this claim that I don't know what I'm talking about, you are so much more invested in your own fraudulence. Right. Uh, that, yeah, and I think that's. Well, it comes back to no, this notion of fallacious fraud, right? Like that's yeah, the f- yeah, like right. if your if your whole project is to show the fraudulence of the phallus, the impotence of the phallus, then of mm-hmm. course your own authority is going to be questioned all the time because yeah, you've yeah. already shown that authority is questionable. And then everyone's going to feel threatened by that because any other figure of authority is going to feel like, I mean, like I think that's at the heart of this most recent takedown of Slavoj, like that mm-hmm. I feel like if I can take him down, then I'll really be the authority. But also I feel yeah. in him a kind of attack on the authority of my own discipline, which is analytic right. philosophy. I think it's clear that it was an analytic philosopher that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that wrote it. Um, so, so I think that that's a, I think you're, it's so right that that's all comes back to this idea of fraudulence of the phallus. That's really a, an interesting mm-hmm. and key point. And then another reason why we, I guess we shouldn't stop talking about that. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, because then we ourselves are uh, open to being canceled, I guess. Right. Well, or that, no that we but that we have to keep talking about it because I think that the you you have to always run the risk. I think that's isn't that maybe his idea that yeah. you have yeah, to always run the risk of being canceled or being deplatformed or being yeah. or because your whole point is that the authority isn't substantial, that there's something undermining it within it. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I no, I think so. Uh I mean there's uh I mean or were there were there other uh philosophers or people worth bringing up to to further uh add to the formula? I don't I don't I mean I think that that it just makes the it makes the point that like we one is almost always put in the position of having to apologize for psychoanalysis yeah. and I don't know that for um any number of, of, I mean, we've listed the, you know, the ones that we consider to be like that come up the most and, and are the most uh, potent in, in some ways. Uh, but, you know, there are others, but it's just the, yeah, the, um, it's, it's hard for me to think of like uh, another uh, body of thought that has to justify its own existence before it says anything. Right. Constantly. And, and I, yeah. And I think that, that psychoanalysis is, and I mean, this is of course what leads Freud to turn to biology, uh, Lacan to turn to math, right. Slavoj to turn to physics or and others to turn to neuroscience to like give some sort of like 
um, you know, external guarantee to to put in those terms to for for the um, the investigation into the psyche and the social psyche in the first place. But like I, I, I like that is um, you know that's actually I would say that's an example of Freud giving up on 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 ideas. on psychoanalysis. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, I agree and, with that. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so yeah, it's a, yeah, I think it's pretty good. So, so I guess what the what is the lesson? The lesson is like it's, it's believe in Freud. <laughs> believe in <laughs> believe in Freud. Don't let the doubters yeah. bring you down. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. <laughs> so much. Time. All right. Over and out. Right. Over and out.